Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody. It's me, Rotto. Hello. It's Tuesday, which I keep track of. Actually, this show helps me keep track of Tuesdays and Thursdays, Fridays. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so this is a show that we do twice a week for now, uh, once on this channel and on Fridays, you, if you're saying I only see it once a week, that's because you haven't watched Rado's channel from Rado Runs Through. That's R-A-H-D-O as evidence. Yes. And you definitely want to check it out on mine on Fridays because that's where all the really cool stuff happens. It does. It does. It's, it's a slightly more, you know what? Cause I do top tens about games all the time. So it's fun to do them about other things. Yeah. Um, so, anyhow, welcome to the show, folks. We uh, we're going to start out by what is the game in front of Rado? This does not. You can okay. do it, buddy. Well, it can't be Targi. That's that's Targi's not square. Good guess, though. I feel like I've played that game. No, I can't. Uh, I'm pretty sure Z covered it for your for Dice Tower. What is it? it this is um Rob um, Robin of Loxley. Oh man, you're right. I want to play that game. Contest of Thieves. Yes, I'll be throwing it as soon as we're done. Oh man, okay, neat. Well, I just played uh, Rosenberg's other newish game, the Nova Luna. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That one was good. I liked liked it. it. I liked it. I I didn't love it. I liked it. I liked it a lot. But I mean, what's 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 great for me though is this unlocked for me this this cool thing. Um, so I have my kids, the way that they are age wise, I call them team A and team B because there's a bit of a break in between. Right. Okay. And so Melody plays board games, pretty much anything, heavy Euro games. She likes heavier stuff than I do. Um, and then my second daughter doesn't play anything. My third daughter likes very specific things. Like she likes escape rooms and, and, um, anyway, stuff like that. And then. The other three, the next three girls, I've always, I played kids games with them because they're younger. So I'm like, okay, this is my kids game group. And then Melody is my other game group and then party games, whatever. And so I took Nova Luna home and I thought, well, they're 12 and 11. They should probably be able to play this game, right? Sure. So I played it with them and and my daughter who was 11 was like, this game is so logical. It's so fantastic. Uh, Oh, that's fantastic. This makes you think. And they played that and I was like... Huh. So I had a queen game called Zen Garden. We played that and I got that. And I was like, I have another game group. <laughs> so um, that was exciting for me. Right. Although wow. it means I, I could I could see a point where I'm going to have a harder time reviewing kids games. <laughs> Although I stole like, my son who's you, six. You, you still have the boy. I do. Uh, He's playing, promising. Playing games with him is a is a is a is a tough, tough gig. I mean. He wants to win, and he's very, very particular um, about things. Uh, I, he, we, we do great with co-op games, uh, okay. but we'll, we'll, we'll work on it. We'll work on his uh, poor sportsmanship. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, it's it, it, but it, I was just excited about it, and now I'm sitting around going, I could teach them 
Ticket to Ride and Carcassonne, and I have all these, you know, I have all these games I can, these guys have seen nothing. It's a whole new world. Yes. So, Don't you dare close your eyes. Mm. Especially if you're on a flying carpet. I've always thought about that. Wouldn't you be scared to death on <laughs> a flying carpet? <laughs> I I mean, to me, if you were on a flying carpet, it sounds pretty cool, but I would be sitting there the whole time like, uh, if I just tilt a little bit, I'm falling off. I know. I would be gripping frantically with a death grip on every corner of that thing. Jeez. Doing loop-de-loops and all kinds of stuff? Yeah, there's no there's no walls on it. Now, if you fall off in a cartoon, it will always come down and catch you. That's you know, fair. That. So, all right. <laughs> all right, folks. So each each uh, day here, or each time we do this show for the foreseeable future, we take a look at different um, game mechanisms. So today is easily one of the most large, most large, the largest groups on Board Game Geek, and that is Area Majority Influence. Yes. To the point where this, uh, actually, in my opinion, should be two different groups. I was going to, this was my big question I wanted to ask about this, because it used to be, right? Um, you know, maybe, and there was a clear is. delineation between uh, majority and control or influence, or was it area control and influence and majority were two subsets of... Con- it's weird that it's all just conglommed into one now. And you think life- that was a mistake, that Jeff blew it. And he should hand in his uh, game tech badge. <laughs> There's a possibility that you are uh, slightly exaggerating my thoughts on the subject, but um, I, I did a top ten list several years ago with um, uh, Rodney Smith and Stephen Bonacore. And yeah. I called it area control, and I was expecting it to be area influence because in my mind I call them – or area majority. I call area control that, and they were picking things like many of the things on this list. Like, And I said, well, that's that's kind of just a war game. That's not really area majority, and I, I realized they're two different things because I kind of, kind of uh, chewed up by well, people. Then, then, then educate us, Tom, because the official description on Board Game Geek for area majority slash influence is multiple players may occupy space to gain benefits based on their proportional presence in the space. In El Grande, for instance, players earn their score in a region by having the most caballeros in the region. And then for an overview discussion of the popular game, see this thread. So, sure, but then look underneath that. See the micro badges? There's area control and area majority. So yep. I agree. Area Majority is like El Grande. It's probably yep. the most famous game in this regard where you have a bunch of stuff in an area and whoever has the most controls that area. Yeah. I do not believe that that then goes out into I'm controlling the board. That's a very mm. different thing. Like I conquered your kingdom. That's not area control. So let's take a look at the games and I'll show you. So I'll, yes. I already have them here. And um, I do too now. 5,086. Let's get going. Yeah. We've got a long list to hit here. So Carcassonne is actually, this is part of Carcassonne, because if you have multiple people in the same city or same road and you manage to connect yeah. them, whoever yeah. has more wins. It's a little trickier because this is something that may or may not ha- even happen in your Carcassonne It's game. not a big part of the game. I mean, it, usually. You have to you kind have to of work hard to make situation. it happen. So, oh, I've got my city, and you've got your little city, and I'm just going to sneak in here with a corner. You can make it happen, but, I mean, it it's not the exception to the rule, but it's certainly, I mean, I don't know, maybe amongst really hardcore cutthroat carcass owners it might be, but, you know, Jen, I thought, I mean, I guess there's usually it's pretty easy to connect roads and then have that resolved by your 
whatever they're called, the highwaymen or what have you. But, you know, grabbing those city tiles, it's it's an interesting thing and it could certainly be a big part of the game. But, yeah, I mean, I, I have to admit, I was surprised when I sorted and it's the number one because most people own it. And I'm like, yeah, I guess so. It doesn't really feel like it to me. It first sure. and foremost is a tile layer game and it miners in this. But I, that's totally I agree true. on that. Small World, I'm not even sure. Again, Small World might fit the area control. It doesn't fit area majority, though. In Small World, you're literally just trying to control the land. So yeah. you build up your, your empire, and then you conquer other people's empires. Um, so you are trying to define area majority as, hey, multiple people can be in the same place, and it depends on who has the most in that place. Whereas Small World, no, I kick you out, and I take it over. You know, it's it's one right, or and, the other. It's a binary thing. But don't you feel like they are they are different? I mean, I I honestly, for example, that second one where you kick the person out, that's not your style at all. No. But area. Although I have played a lot of Small World in my time. I mean, that's a true. lot. You told me that. But area majority is a little bit less confrontational. It's like I'm mm. putting some stuff in here. I'll put some more in there. I'll put some more in there. And you can go back and forth in whoever has the most. It can still be very confrontational, but you're yeah, not yeah. necessarily killing the other people's units. Um, again, El Grande, like the most points go to who has the most. And yep. then the number two points go to who has the second most. Mm. And yeah. that's why I feel I mean, like they're very different. There is definitely a spectrum here. And I have to admit, I mean, generally, area control is not something I'd gravitate towards. Although, when I went and I went to my own collection and did a search based on area control, and I've got a lot of area control games in there, I think, for my wife and I as Care Bears, we're much more comfortable with it when, hey, you know what? We can have shared occupancy of a given place. And yes, whoever has the majority will get some particular bonus, but... If, if I moved in and I, I put my foothold here, but then you move in there as well, and then you've got three to my two, I'll still get something for my trouble. And I very much appreciate that. I mean, it really softens the whole experience, but um, it, it, it still allows players to have that kind of competitive edge. No, no, no. I mean, I can see you're pushing forward. I'm going to push harder because only one of us can be uh, king of the hill. You know, it's interesting. Officially, the progress tracks in something like... Zulk in the Mayan calendar. Strictly speaking, those are area control things, too, because really, whoever has yes. gone farthest up that path has majority on that path, and they get you know a reward that's higher up the path. I mean, I don't think anybody would consider it, but functionally, it's the same thing. The only difference between that, I mean, yes, it's functionally the same thing with the exception of if you have tracks, and yes, you could say, well, that track could just be a, a spot on the board, and you throw them in there, whoever is the most. It could. But with, a, but with a track, you can also have certain points. When you reach this point, you get a bonus. When you the first one to reach this point gets this uh, token, what have you. And because of that, yes, you could technically do that with an area and just write it all next to it. But it, I think there's a slight difference there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, but I mean, in the same way, there's a slight difference between control versus majority versus influence, I suppose. I would argue it's a bigger difference. But like, for example, I don't. It's a, it's a difference of presentation more than anything else. I don't think Scythe fits it, but Twilight Struggle is a really interesting one because it does do it in. It's one of the few ones that does it with two players because you're putting a bunch of area you know, control in these regions. So I add yeah. three and you add four and whoever's higher wins, but you have to be, if you want to control it, you have to be higher, you know, than the other person by a certain number. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's Which definitely I always very much appreciate. That's something as a two player gamer, it drives me nuts 
when um, publishers have, uh, you know, although, I, man, what are progress tracks? Is progress tracks going to be on this? Because I feel like I want to talk about progress tracks for a half an hour. Uh, that, okay, well. We'll save that for somewhere I'm, down the road. I'm going to go do down here and see cool. if progress tracks is on this thing. I don't even know what those would be called. There's no progress tracks here. Let me yeah, see I mean, what else could you call them? Well, if there is not, tech... I'm going to call them area majority in track form. Well, there is tech tree slash tech tracks. Mm. That's, that might be that might be different. different New thing. actions. Uh, no, this is a tech tree thing. Uh, okay. Uh, what do you call those uh, when you progress if, if along a track? If they're not on this list. I think Jeff missed a trick. Don't you say that. Blasphemy. I, how dare um, I? <laughs> I'm attacking a member of the I don't know. There's like, network. There's like hundreds Shots of mechanisms. Fired. There's like hundreds of mechanisms here. We're going yeah, through know, one at a time. I'm not even I'm sure it's in there. I, I'm not I even looking at Jeff them ahead of time. And I'm his just Oh, okay. Let's go back to <laughs> I yes, really we don't have, know. We have, we, we've still got 4,987 games to talk about here. Oh, no, no, no. I'm just going to I'm going to slide. So a lot of these are just attacking games, like Memoir 44. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just a war game. So let me go down to some that are actually area control on this list. Um, man, dominant species, maybe. Man, these are most of these are just war games, essentially. Samurai is an is What is, is a one. war game if not a battle for control of an area? No, 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 that no, no. is kind of what ag- war is. No, no, I agree. Okay. But then. But then I feel like it's too broad. That's why I'm using the term area majority. Okay. Uh, then I'm sorry. Rewind a little bit because you started to go down this road. I sidetracked it with progress tracks. What is your definition, your narrower, My more defini- focused definition of area control versus the broader concept of, oh, we just fight? My, my, my thing would be there are certain uh, points on the board that you are trying to have more influence or tokens or power in those spots. Than other people. Okay, and, so that and would rule out the no. Uh, you know, that would rule out um, um, a king, a kingdom builder, right? Because that's that's just a grid. We're putting our houses down. We're trying to create patterns and whatnot. Yeah, I don't even know how that one made it in this category. Um, but I'll say this: I'm not arguing that these games shouldn't be in this category because this category is so broad. Yeah, I'm. I'm just saying so. from my more narrow area majority, which to me is something that if you like one of them, I think you'll tend to like a lot of them, but you may not like the other games here. Like, if you like El Grande, I don't think you'll like Blood Rage. Mm-hmm. Um, or Kingdom uh, Builder, for that or, 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 or Memoir 44. I just don't yeah. see the correlation there. But, like, the next one here I'm going to talk about, Samurai, is area control, although that does it in a different way. That's where you're surrounding different spots yeah. in the board. And then whoever has the most spaces, yeah, right. And then the most influence on that space will win that licorice token or whatever it is. It always, I always felt (laughs) like they were a piece of licorice. They do Um, look tasty. I have to admit. Then some games kind of who has put one of them in their mouth at some point while playing Samurai. I'll I'll cop to it. Really? I wish (laughs) I. I was just eating some black licorice right here. I would have showed you a piece. (laughs) Oh well, I it was. I actually threw it away because it was too hard. But there's a lot of these out there, and Gaia Project's on the list, so maybe your thing is oh right. Tiny Epic Galaxies is on the list, and that is the very definition of what I was talking about before. Tiny Epic Galaxies just puts a whole bunch of progress tracks for you to chase up on. So if Tiny Epic Galaxies is here, then every game with progress tracks has to be here. 
which again argues that this shouldn't be here. And it argues that maybe this particular category needs a slightly clearer delineation because it's I agree. very, very broad. It really is broad. I really like seeing uh, Spirit Island on here um, because it's cooperative. And that's sure. very, very cool. Uh, I bet you it's I bet you it's a very small list of pure cooperative games <laughs> that have an area control, area influence slash area majority component because the way it works is that there are the the equivalent of the colonists of Catan have come to an island, and in this game, we're the island fighting back, trying to keep them out, and they are spreading trying to grab area, and we are pushing them back, trying to maintain control of our island because we're the spirit guardians of it. That's fantastic. And um, a, a great way. It's a shame that it's so long and it's so heavy and so complex because I could imagine a much more gateway version of Spirit Island that could, that, that, that could blow up like Splendor, quite frankly. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it's, it is doing, it's really doing well. Spirit yes. Island is doing better than it has any right to do for its complexity. No, no, mm -hmm. I don't mean that any slight against the game. There's a lot going on in it. Not only is it a lot of rules, but it's a hard game to learn how to play well. Yeah. Um, and yet, despite that, it has been on a slow upwards burn for the past several years. Uh, people yeah. are really enjoying it. So, And they just announced another expansion for it that yeah. adds a ton more stuff. <laughs> Kahuna is another area majority game for two players. Have you played that one? That is Tropical Islands, right? Is that the one where you're putting sticks between islands? Right, and once you have the majority yeah. of sticks on the island, you kick off your opponent's sticks, and that can cause chain reactions. Yep. Um, so that's definitely area majority. Uh, I haven't, I still haven't seen El Grande on this list. That's because it's an older game, and you know, older games are. Well, we no have longer. it sorted by number of owned copies. Right. Sure, I just thought it, I thought it would be higher. It's, it's, is it yeah. going to even hit the top 100? I guess Smash you know, Up is... You know what that means? It is due for a brass-style super deluxe makeover. Yeah, you know, I've, I've thought about that for a while because I like El Grande, but man, oh man, it's not a pretty game. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, design has moved on. I bet you at this point they could come up with good two-player rules for it as well and make it uh, ha give it a broader range. There are... Definitely games that have proven that that can be done. And with, yeah, with didn't, with, you know, you'd still be able to play the classic way and all that. I mean, I guess that's the difference between uh, Brass Lancashire and Bla Brass Birmingham. Twa is on the list, which I love. And I would say that's a valid thing because there's all those different houses. And, oh, and when I push one of my meeples in, it, inevitably the meeple that's been there the longest gets pushed out. And then suddenly I've got majority, so I get more of the dice that house represents. And to me, that's a great example, because even though that was kind of an aggressive move for me to do to kick you out, hey, if you still got somebody there, you're still getting other stuff. I mean, I, I, it's I, to me, the binary nature of it's all or nothing, and I put so much work here, and then you came along and just did one tiny thing more than me, and you get everything and I get nothing, to me, just makes so many area control, influence majority style games just a non-starter. Unfortunately, again, the problem with this, this system that Jeff and, and co. put in play is they put it in play after there was already 180,000 games in this, in this thing. Of course. It would be a whole lot easier if it came now and it went through to the uh, mechanisms jury, of which Rada would be on, on board. And they'd be like, all right, what are the mechanisms in this game? And they'd be writing it down and they would argue over it. And we will now classify this as area majority. Oh, I just, no. I like to write the uh, 
what what do they call it? The minority uh what's minority it, the dissenting no the dissenting oh, the uh dissenting the dis- opinion. Dissenting the opinion. opinion. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd probably have a lot of dissenting opinions that I would be publishing to, and they would get viewed as much as most do. Manhattan is a good one. Now, one of the things we get asked a lot, uh, or I get asked a lot, is uh, people ask, what is a good, what's a good area control game um, for um, two players? Okay. Well, on this list, uh, Carcassonne the Castle. Not that that's fair because it's impossible to get, but oh my God, Carcassonne the Castle is by far the best Carcassonne has ever been. And I know you're a city man, and that's fine. City is fine. It's got those nice little walls. but um, Which also works man, great for two players. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. But, the, uh, no, okay, I'm going to stay on area control. I'm going to focus on area control. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to go over to ranked. Dot, oh. Or no, I'm just going to go. I'm going to do an advanced search and look for everything I've got. And I will tell you my high, well, I know my highest ranked area control game is going to be Twa. Because that's in my top ten of all time. And it is amazing. But when you well, say two-player, do you mean, okay, a two-player only game? Well, well I don't necessarily know, mean uh, that, but I will recommend this one here. People may not have heard of it. It's called Sun Tzu, although I believe the first name of it was something else. Dynasties. This is from Jolly Roger Games in the past, and Matigo did a reprint of it. And this is very much like El Grande, but with two players. Though, off the top of my head, I'm still getting to where I can search for all of mine, but uh, it's a two-player-only game, and I love it to bits, and it's a shame it isn't better known. Um, the Institute of Magical Arts from Steve Finn. It's a battle line-style game where you and I are on opposite sides of a bunch of cards that represent basically Hogwarts characters without using the Harry Potter franchise. You know, they made up their own magical institute. And yep. every round we roll dice and I can see the dice you've rolled, which represents influence you can put on these different professors and artifacts and stuff like that. So you can see what I've got to spend, but I play cards face down to each of those dice and you do at the same time and we reveal and you think, oh yeah, I had that six and I was probably going to really try and you know lock down Professor Snape character and you know, nope I went completely on the opposite end and used this over here so there's a lot of mind games but it is all about who can uh, distribute the most influence to grab these cards for set collection purposes video carry point collection purposes it's great uh, I mean there's so much double thinking that goes on because I know half of what you're going to do as you try to exert your influence on all these areas but I can't be certain until everybody reveals their cards. And simultaneous reveal is one of my favorite mechanisms of all time, just because there's so much drama to it. So that's an easy one. I love that one. All right. I show people a picture of it so they can see it. Um, yep. Well, to me, El Grande is still one of my favorite in this category. Um, and I finally found it. I must have zoomed by it. Someone said in the oh, comments, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. it's so ugly, I looked away and missed it, uh, <laughs> which is very, very possible. This is one of my – the area majority is one of my favorite things because I like – especially – and again, this doesn't necessarily affect you as much because like in a three- or four-player game. I like if you – let's say you and another person are fighting over it, and I'm like, I'll just throw one guy in there. I'll take third. What do I care? You know, at some yeah, points, yeah. it's better than none. I've always liked that mechanism because second everywhere could be first in the game. And I've always thought that's an, a fun strategy. Yeah. Well, it's also it's an argument for how area majority control style games are implicitly more interesting at higher than two. 
because you'll always have that situation. Whether you're going to jump in to get that third point or not, the fact that two players are fighting or squabbling over some portion of the map means you're winning because you right. are unimpeded and you can go off and do your other stuff. But having not played really pretty much anything that's not two-player, is that a problem? Do these things work better? No, no, you got to have at least four. Um, because that does that become a problem in terms of the overall balance of the game? I found it becomes too easy to skate by under the surface. No, I don't think it's easy to skate by. I think that I find that the part to be fascinating in these games. Okay. Um, I've always liked the. I, I find a lot of these games like El Grande. I really like them at three. It's a good three-player mm-hmm. game. And Samurai is an interesting one because that works well with two or three. I found. Yeah. Um, but I don't mind a two-player. I don't mind. I like multiplayer more than you do, obviously. Um, and area majority, I think, brings that to the forefront because I could be like, wait a minute. You know, Sally's dropping a person in every spot. That's that's not going to stand, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, that's area major- majority, area control. It's time now. influence. It's all oh, my word. It's all It's everything. Areas. It's It's basically board games. So... <laughs> Alrighty, time to give us topics for our top five list. And you're right, someone at the very last second mentioned Blitzkrieg, which is a great two-player area control game for sure. Oh, okay. Somebody um, just mentioned Mandala, which is a phenomenal game. I'm still trying to find figure out if it should retroactively make it into my top 10 games of last year, of 2019. It's so good. I have to get that one on my list. But I, I'm the beautiful you, thing about it is, yes, we're vying for majority, but um, we're basically, whoever gets majority gets first dibs on a pot of stuff. But if you came in second, you still get stuff. I just get first dibs. It's wonderful. Well, I'm going to write that down. Games to play in the Dice Tower Library. I, I'm, my pen has run out of ink. What? Oh, it came back. All right. All right, folks. What do we got here? Um, let's see here. <laughs> All right. Let me see. I got to get... Wow, there's a lot of uh, things here. Let me see if I can... I'm going to pick four things. All right. All right. That's a good one. Um, uh, that's a good one so man people are this I can't do that one because that would require way too much research on both of our parts this one's like the top five years of board gaming that would be a, a actually very, I'd be ready to do that in a heartbeat because I just did that the other day in oh, the, did you? Uh, the thread that's devoted to the Golden Geek Award voting. So to me, I'm ready to go, but... Uh, <laughs> all right, let me look here. Uh, we already... Some of these we've already... Ooh, that's... Okay. All right, I got, I got these. I, I don't know if you'll like these, but we'll see. So here we go. I'll live with it. The top five box sizes for board games. The top five Spiel des Jahres winners. The top five... Games that will never be reprinted for some reason or other. And the top five game-winning conditions. Wow, those are good. You found four good ones. Well, the people gave them. Yes, yes, yes. 
Um, so winning conditions, box sizes, Spieldis Yaris, would that include Kenner or? Uh, you no, could I guess do... you just say Spiel, right? Let's just do Spiel. We could do Kenner another yeah. time, I guess. And what was the fourth one? Uh, games that will oh. never get reprinted. I want to do that one, but I feel like I'd have a hard time coming up. Well, you'd have to do the majority of the heavy lifting. I can think of a couple off the top of my head. I could do one. It'd be hard for you because <laughs> you'll just have to quote your own law and say that it's entirely invalid. Well, no, will... there's always exceptions to it, you know, for whatever reason. And even then, there's games I thought would never be reprinted that were reprinted. So then, huh. So it would be a big games I think will never be reprinted. I am... I'm leaning towards the uh, Spiel des Jahres winners. Well, that one's an easy one, dude, because we can we can pull up the list. I know, yeah. I mean, well, honestly, I'd like to give us a break. Because <laughs> sometimes these are really hard. All right, let's do it then. Come on, I feel okay, like you're yeah, yeah. to it. Apologies, right, so, those were all excellent decisions, or excellent options, folks. So here we go. There's actually, there's a lot of them, but I'm going to just go through them real quickly. It, the first one, it's in, in 1979, and I'll read through them. So we got Hair and Tortoise. That was the very first one. That's why it's famous. Then Rummy Cube. Focus, Enchanted Forest, Scotland Yard, Damp Frost, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, Heimlich and Co., Off Ash, I'm not sure if there's another name for that, Barbarossa, Cafe International, Hoity Toity, although that has another name too, I forget what it yeah. is, uh, Wacky Wacky West, Umreif and Brighton, Perudo, or Liar's Dice, Manhattan, Catan, or as it was called when it came out, Settlers of Catan, El Grande, which we've been talking about, Mississippi right. Queen, Elfinland, to call Torres, Carcassonne, Villa Paletti, Alhambra, Ticket to Ride, Niagara, Turn in Taxis, Zularetto, Celtis, Dominion, and this was before they made they, they split them, Dixit, Quirkle, Kingdom Builder, Hanabi, Camel Up, Colt Express, Code Names, King Domino, Azul, and last year's winner, Just One. This is actually pretty timely since we're not too far off from them announcing the nominees for this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a lot. I took notes of the ones that jumped out at me as you were going. And I've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 I want to give it to. But we have to pick five. Well, if you could pick the the best one right off the top of your head, what would it be? Well, I, I it would either be um, Dominion or Code Names, I think. Man, these are hard. Um, it's, it's a good, you know. There's a lot that are very easy to dismiss, but there's a lot of really good ones. So as you go through this, there are ones that have been. I'll, I'll list. There's several that have become international sensations. So that yes, that uh, I would argue that none of them were international sensations until Catan. That was the first big one. Yeah. Then after Catan, again, a lot of these games are good. Then there was Carcassonne, and yeah. then Ticket to Ride. Ticket to Ride. Then yeah. Dominion, although Dominion, you could argue, maybe didn't reach the other ones, but pretty high. Then Code Names, then Azul. Azul those yes. are the ones and that I, I would argue I, I have become. Every one of those. I mean, you could literally, that could be, was that five or six? You could just go based on that, but that would be too easy. Well, I don't know that, uh, I don't know that uh, I would say that the my, I mean, we're making the list. We're not saying yeah. that the ones that have done the best. Uh, on the list, but how about this? Just to save us time, I do agree with you about Dominion, so we can write that one yeah. down. Yeah, that's a that's a given. I mean, code names. Yeah, I'm not saying no to code names, but it spawned one of the biggest genres, and monster hit. There's why won't they stop bringing out expansions, Tom? I just want them to stop. 
but they keep doing it. Did you play the new one? Uh, the the one with animals? No. Menagerie. That one's not out yet, right? Or are you got uh, it's out. I thought I saw it out. I'm pretty sure it's Menagerie, out. I believe it's called. Yes. I'm very yeah. actually. I'm probably most excited about that because my wife and I love animals, and that seems like a very very cool an entire theme devoted to animals and all that. So I'm very excited about it. Yeah. So as what much that, as I'm complaining about it. You know about Dominion, right? I'm assuming you know pretty much well. I can explain it to you here. Uh, Menagerie adds. Uh, there's a lot of cards that have to do with horses for some reason. Uh, a Lots horse dressage. You're saying. Okay. Uh, well, there's a lot of there's, there's a pile of horse cards that are basically village cards. They give you plus one card, plus two actions, and you. Uh, but when you play a horse card, it goes back to the pile. So if you get oh, two horses, okay. these go in your deck. It, it's okay. I, I like it, but I mean, it's not mind changing. What I really like is you now have this place to exile cards, which I really wish they'd use a different term because that term's so heavily used in Magic. But hmm. There are things that let you put a card on this pile, on this thing, and it's now still part of your deck, but you never have to draw it again. So it's a great place to throw victory point cards because you can just get them out of your hand, right? They're out of your deck. You're not cycling through them. But then there's a lot of cards that do different things. And if you buy a card and there's cards in your exile, you can bring them all back in your hand. Okay. So there's like a card that is three money. It's cheaper than a gold. I think it costs five, four or five, and it's three money, which is great. Yep. But when you play it, it's automatically exiled. Yeah. So you Temporary have to buy a deck thinning, basically. Yeah. So it, I like that a lot. And then the animal yep. part of the game, they come with these these cards. They're called ways, like the way of the rabbit, the way of the elephant, the way of whatever. And essentially, you 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 could put one out if you want, and it will say like plus two coins or plus one action or something. And essentially, it turns all your action cards, you can use that instead of what they say. Oh, okay. Which, unfortunately, to me, adds a little bit to the analysis paralysis of the game. Because now all your action cards have or whatever that is. Um, Every card is a multi-use card! (laughs) Yes, that's that's the way it works. So that's what's in it. Anyhow, we're we're getting off topic. Uh, Dominion, great. Uh, All right, so that's a gift. To me, the one I would say... Has, well, it has a lot of effect on my life, um, and it's the one that I will still play, even though it's considered a gateway game, is Ticket to Ride. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you can't not give it to that. I mean, you have to. Ticket to Ride was funny and, and because especially when that came out. Ticket to Ride Express games, oh, man, I love those so much. That, they, they're like the, a, the, little, a little taste of fun, and then you're done. Yeah, I mean, th- those have rekindled my passion that I thought had long cooled um, for, for Ticket to Ride. And, you know, a, a great example of it reinventing itself for a new generation, I guess, of gamers. So, yeah, yeah. I, I want to pick a, a curveball, though. Oh. Well, I mean, if, if it's just I know I, I, I would I would have said El Grande, but I know you would not agree there. I'm a big fan of the original one, Heron Tortoise. Have you played that one? No, I have not. What do I look like? An old man, which I am. I you think I would have, but nope. I'm 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 late to the party. Have, do you know how it plays out? I took note of because it's by it is not the greatest example of it at all. But Scotland Yard's a pretty important game. Well, it's a big deal in my life. Uh, it came out '83, yeah. so I was what seven. I didn't get it until six years later, I think. Uh, yeah. But I remember the commercial on TV with Mr. X, you know, hiding, and the kids were like, "Where is he?" 
And I think this game's fantastic. Uh, I well, mean, yeah, it's, and it, you know, it stands the test of time. Um, it's still relevant today. I would love, you know, a few years ago, Robinsberger came out with an app-driven one where Mr. X was driven by an app. And it literally uh, you know, had augmented reality. So you could point your phone at the board and it would give you like, okay, it's some, he's somewhere in this area. Why didn't that go wide? I would so love to play that, but it's only available in German. And the what app the- is all in German and talks to you in German. I've always was bugged by the fact that they didn't have multiple maps because I was just going through the Board Game Geek database and I found a, a game from, uh, was it Warsaw, I think. And it's, it was the same game as Scotland Yard, but it was the Warsaw map. And I thought, wow, I would buy multiple maps for Scotland Yard, like a double-sided map. But this map has something different on it, like Ticket to Ride. Yeah. So are you saying Scotland Yard? <sighs> you know, no matter what you do, you're leaving great games behind. I know. Just, I mean, well, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, this you have to. Exist. And, and doing a top five. Right. So we, we've already done Dominion and Ticket to Ride. We have three more. Three more. <sighs> and that's the thing. I mean. Scotland Yard, it, 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 what it does is done so much better now by other publishers that it really, I mean, I would argue that Dominion has not been topped. Not only is it the, uh, you know, the, 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 the one that's kicked off, it is still the premier deck builder. And I mean, I think you could make that argument. Um, well, I mean, Ticket to Ride didn't really spawn a legion of, I mean, what about turning taxes? Just got to throw that out for Sam. He's out there uh. somewhere. Uh, okay, I'll help you out there. Uh, veto. <laughs> I need a. I need a. Car- no. <laughs> I was prepared. All right, I'm um, sure wherever he is, felt it. He felt it. No, it's funny because <sighs> I could do a list of the of the, and I have actually on a channel of the top five worst winners where I thought something else should win. Have oh, won sure, that sure. year. Yeah, that's a whole different. I like, would. I'm I actually. I'm not going to. I've, I've convinced myself that. To make it best of the best, top five, it can't have been supplanted by something else. Okay. Well, then... Uh... Uh, for, for my taste, uh, I think so. And really, there are there are, there are are heirs apparent to the Ticket to Ride throne, but nobody has dethroned it. And the same is true for Dominion. But I, do, I would say that has been done for Scotland Yard. So I'm not suggesting it. My only, my only argument was I'm not, I'm not fighting for Scotland Yard. I'll say Scotland Yard, there's definitely better uh, deduction games as time has gone by, but very rarely are they as simple as Scotland Yard. That's true. Um, Mr. Jack is pretty simple, but for the most part, you know, like when you play Letters from White Chapel or these other games, they're much more I'm not complex. Even to those. I mean, there's like um, Mind Management is a game that was just on Kickstarter a month ago. Mind management, to me, fixes every problem with Scotland Yard, but is still a very easy to approach, pick up, and play game. I'd argue it's not out yet, so I cannot even remotely count that. That's a fair but, point. But that's, that's, that's fine. Point. Anyway, I'm not arguing for it. Uh, yeah. Okay. What about I mean, uh, D- Dixit? We, we, don't we have to give it to Catan? Or does it fail under my new metric of it can't have been eclipsed by something else? Well, yes. Uh, by so by your random metric, yes. Unfortunately, that would cancel that one out. I like Catan fine, although it's really kind of faded for me. It wouldn't. Yes, I can give it all due credit, um, but it wouldn't be one of my favorite. Yeah. What it, about I mean, Liar's Dice? Liar's Dice oof. is just about perfect. I would. I would, I would agree with you on that because there are many games that I say this is like Liar's Dice. 
Exactly. And very rarely do I say, I, I, I have a hard time thinking of one I think is like, well, this is way better. Exactly. Um, there's games that are like lateral moves, but Liar's Dice is still a game that I played it, I don't know, a couple months ago, and I thought, this game still holds up really well. It's so elegant and simple, um, and yet so much. I, I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to throw out Liar's Dice. All right. Oh, wait, you're throwing it out or you're No, no, nominated? I'm throwing it. I'm, 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 I'm putting it on a pedestal. I'm putting uh, it. I agree. So we got Dominion, wow, Ticket to Ride, okay. and Liar's Dice. Well, I'm, I'm being very agreeable because there's a few here that are just no-goes for me. <laughs> well, geez, so I want to pick those. Uh, I mean, no, obviously, I, should I even bother suggesting Hanabi? Well, then I would argue strongly that by your own thing you just said that it's been I, supplanted. I would agree. I would agree. As soon as I said it, I realized, <laughs> no, I can't. Because Hanabi created a, a pillar that so many people have built on and supplanted it. Uh, well, like if we're doing that, there's a lot to cancel out. Um, I still really like Manhattan. Um, a lot of these, some of these are so weird. I can't even imagine being nominated today. Like Wacky Wacky West, <laughs> a game from Claus Toiber is a game about trying to build buildings in a town without covering up the toilets. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. That's instant classic. Uh, it was a different time. People had to be a little bit broader with their, um, you know. Well, what about Dixit? Dixit, yes. Um, obviously, there's a lot of wannabe Dixits out there. There's a lot of games that have done really amazing things with the Dixit formula. But I don't know that anybody's supplant. The only problem with Dixit is it's very easy for those little rabbits to fall over. That's it. That is my only okay, fine. of an otherwise perfect game. All right, so we agree on Dixit? I'm 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 cool with Dixit. All right, got one more. Did Dixit you say- is the only game I own that does not support two players. Because it's that that's I mean, why would I keep it around? It's not good. I wonder if there's you could play a two player variant where you put a card out, you say something about that card, and then you put four random cards out and you have to see if the other person can figure it out. Yeah, but, there there have been several two-player variants proposed over the years because people really want that. But if they really want that, they should just go play Mysterium or you know something that does work well for two players. All right, let's rewind all the way back to the beginning of this discussion. At the very beginning, you shouted out Dominion and Codenames. What about Codenames? <sighs> Codenames is amazing. You, This is your realm more than mine. Tell me, um, does Codenames stand above and beyond all other cerebral-ish party teamed style games ah well i mean i have my own personal favorites in that regard um codenames is amazing because it it plays you could play very strong cerebral two versus two or you could play a group against a group it's also spawned a really good co-op two-player game Yeah, yeah, yeah um and it's being made into we got what do we got marvel Harry Potter, Disney. Simpsons, Disney, Pictures, and... Um, People will be playing Codenames 100 years from now. I mean... I actually have a Codenames... In, in the Dice Tower Library, I got a Codenames Blizzard. It's well, not a, Based on Blizzard video games? Based on... Yes. So, it's actually not a published game. Although okay. it is published. It is published. What happened is, at Blizzard, they published this game... For all their employees. So you can't <laughs> buy it, but 
the guy who put it together gave me a copy for Dice Tower Library. So there's no UPC on it, but it's actual game. And it's really fascinating because it has a lot of Blizzard terminology on the cards, right? So if you don't, if someone at the table says, I don't know what that card means, you just flip it over. And the other side is a card that might have to do with a Blizzard game, but something okay. that everybody would understand, like That's Worker cool. or something like that. I honestly, I mean, I, I yeah, I... My, the only reason I would hesitate is because we're leaving something else that's more important. We've got Ticket to Ride, we've got Dominion, we've got Liar's Dice, we've got Dixit. We, this is our last one, Tom. I know. I would argue that Carcassonne has been supplanted, Catan has been supplanted, Azul yes. is slightly... It's too new. Too it's too new. new to say. Azul is very good, and I would say in three or four years, we could easily say Azul. Um, and there's a lot of great games on this list that we both like, but we... Uh, but, so the only that? other one I think I would potentially put above code names would be Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Oh, supplanted by oh my word. I'll never yeah. play it again now that Okay, okay. Now that uh Chronicles of Crime is out. Well, you know what? Actually, if for no other reason, I guess I can't give it to it because it is such a buggy product. It is so riddled with mistakes and every ex- every re-implementation they do every 10 years ends up with a whole bunch of new typos that make it impossible to solve cases and whatnot. Um, so yeah, I guess just, yeah. Okay. Then code names done. Ah, time's up anyway. We got to finish this at some point. Yes, All right. Yes, yes. So we have I'm sorry, Dominion. I thought that was going to be a really easy one. <laughs> Tickets but I guess right. actually having a list in front of us makes it even harder. <laughs> You're the only person I've met who argues with themselves. Um, <laughs> Dominion, Ticket to Ride, Liar's Dice, Sticks It, and Code Names in our opinion. All right. Let's jump to Questions. All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you have any questions that you'd like to ask us that we may or may not answer, you have 15 minutes worth of questions asked, which means we'll get one in, maybe two. <laughs> or you can spend 15 minutes telling us we've just got everything wrong. That so let me ask you this fun. while we're waiting for a question. When you eat dinner uh, with your wife, is there a lot of conversation? Is it quiet? Or is there dinners that are one or both? Um, in my younger days, dinners were a uh, you know a, 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 an opportunity to talk about the issues of the day. Ever since I stopped working out of the house and I stay home, um, we actually have dinner in front of the TV now. Okay, I, I tend to read a lot during dinners uh, sometimes. So, all right. Oh, here's a good one. What right. level of game difficulty do you prefer most often? So let's. I guess I'll I'll, I'll twist this and add some caveats here. So, for example. With a, a, a cooperative game, like, do you want it to be a game that's easy, where you just barely win, uh, extremely hard? Like, what level do you like? So we're talking only cooperative games. This is a really easy thing for me to do. Um, there's a couple of things that are very important. One is I, I, I want a high level of difficulty, but in a perfect world, it is a difficulty level that spikes repeatedly throughout the game. Unlike, say, Ghost Stories, that just says, oh. You're, you're dead from turn one, and it's only going to get worse from there and just get more demoralizing. And if you're lucky, you can pull yourself across the finish line. That doesn't work for us as well as um, Pandemic. Because Pandemic, you'll be on a roll. Everything's going great. This is all perfect. And then uh, you know the one card that should not have get dra- got drawn got drawn, and suddenly everything is full-on panic mode. And, okay, we, now we have to put everything aside. And that roller coaster... When done well, makes for perfect, um, uh, you know, uh, dramatic co-ops. So I prefer them to actually be very, to have incredibly difficult spikes. 
that they come in and they we just terrified. Oh, we can never survive this. But then we do push through the other side and then we get a breather. But we know the next spike is coming. Well, OK, so I'm going to take a slightly different tack. I prefer my co-op games to start easy. And then if you beat it, you're like, oh, and then we can make it harder. Sure. I want I want to play a game where I have a challenge, but I feel the whole game that I might win. And if I lose, I'm fine. If I felt like I could have won. I do not like this nightmare difficulty that games have where you're not going to win or where a game starts really hard. And they're like, you thought that was hard. Here's and then you have to go online and the designer would go, well, you know, some people have complained. So for those babies, we've offered this pacifier set of instructions. And that always bugs me. It's 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 really hard. I want to get more people involved in co-op games. It's really hard to do so if they're going to get massacred in them. And that's why Pandemic is a great one, because if you know if sure you can lose on the easy level, very much you can use on, on on the beginner level, but it's beatable. It's very much beatable. And then if people say, well, this is too easy, you put it up to the next level and it gets very much harder. And if you speed that and then go to the hard level, you're going to lose a lot. And to the point where every once in a while I see someone on the internet go, you know, this expert pandemic, it's too easy for me. I feel like one of two things is happening. Either they're playing a major rule wrong or they're lying. (laughs) Because by very nature of mathematics on the hard level of pandemic, you will find yourselves in non-winnable yeah. situations. Yeah. It's a hard think, game. Yeah, I, I think probably the most important thing as a developer working on a co-op is, uh, you know, when you know if you lose, if, if if the players lose, it's okay if they feel like they know why they lost. They feel like, oh, that was on us. If we had just done this and this, it would have been a whole different ball game because then you're enthused and you want to jump right back in and put that to the test. A, a co-op game where you feel like. God, I don't know what we could have done. I mean, we were doomed from the start. That's a problem. So you can have all kinds of difficulty levels just as long as players get that feedback so they know where they misstepped and they're excited to go back in. All right, Martin says, after how many plays do you know if a game is in your top 100 games? Mm. So, right, I was thinking, for me, it's not even how many plays. It's after I play the game, if I find myself thinking about the game, like I'll be the next day or somewhere I'm walking around and I'm thinking about it. And then later someone talks to me about games and I'm like, I got to tell you about this game. And then uh, maybe I wake up and I'm, or maybe I think about it before I go to bed. Or if it's constantly in my thoughts, that means that game really grabbed me. And now there are games that do that, that necessarily won't make my top 100. They just games that make you think like this war of mine. That made me <laughs> think it wouldn't make my top 100, but it makes me think. Yeah. But if a game is constantly, and if I'm sitting there and I'm like, I got these, and for me, it's easy because I'm a reviewer. So I'm always like, I got new games to play, new games to play. And if I have these new games and that draw is always there, and yet I'm like, but I could go back and play this, then I know it's one of my favorite games. Yeah. It's that, um, for me, that long tail. Yep. That, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Actually, I would have a follow-up question to that. Your top 100 changes all the time, right? It does. It does. Yeah. Um. And I mean, that doesn't mean you've lost interest in those, or does it mean you've lost interest in those games? Sure. Because my top 100 pretty much never changes. Uh, As I literally, as I'm playing the game, I can't help but like try to classify it against my favorite games of all time and see. Well, okay, this is not as good. I know you do because you rank them to the decimal point. I'm literally reading the rules, and I see. Oh my god, that is a really cool twist. I cannot wait to play this game because I want to see how that actually plays out. So I mean, it's just constant 
that it's mostly because I'm, I'm growing as a person and, and you're set in your old age. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, for me, it's it's uh, it's pretty quick. I, I'm I'm definitely a love at first sight kind of guy, and um, yeah, and 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 again, my top ten doesn't or my top 100 really doesn't change very often uh, because when I'm trying to think of things, I, I, I try to think not how do I feel about if I wanted to play game number 57 right now, but how did I feel when I played it? Because I could get fatigued for any game, of course, but what it comes down to is what, you know, what feelings did it engender in me, you know, the tension, the drama, the, the, the math, whatever it might be. And uh, it's weird I don't have a great memory for a lot of stuff, but I do tend to remember emotional feelings and, uh, you know, just kind of gut visceral responses to pretty much everything I play. All righty. Tom, when was the last time you wore a hoodie? And Rado, when's the last time you wore a tie? I, I know when I wore a hoodie. It was last year. I was in Niagara Falls, Canada, and it was cold, so I wore a hoodie. I wear hoodies That's all the time. Um... It could very well be that the last time I wore a tie was the day I got married. Really? Like, you've never gone to anyone else's wedding? Or if you did, you wouldn't wear a tie? No. I mean, I, the only tie I have owned since high school, or in high school, I got, it's it's so cheesy. It's a, it's a leather tie that zips up. Because I, I couldn't tie a tie to save my life. Actually, no, no, that's not true. I do actually have a proper tie. Although I did wear that leather tie the day I got married. I think, yes, that's right. I... When we were in Texas, there was an event we had to go to that was fancy dress. And so I think, yeah, we bought a suit for that. And <laughs> that was the first and last time I wore that suit. I believe it's in an attic somewhere. Um, and it had a tie. So, yeah. All right. Monica says, so you decide to quit as a gamer, God forbid. What happens to your collection? Well, it must have been really uh, yeah, traumatic to make this really choice. <laughs> so I got to get these things out of here, I would assume. Um, I, I, wow, what would I do? What I do, I mean, I, I obviously, like Tom, I get an influx of games. I know you just, uh, a couple of times a year, do like a big flea market thing at conventions, right? Sure, it's, but that's easy because I don't really want those games that badly. I would yeah. do something different if I was getting rid of my games. So while you're thinking, I I, I can tell you this. Okay, what would I you would, do? I don't know. I would, first of all, I'd go to my kids and see if they wanted it. You know, if mm -hmm. any of my kids, if they, not not to sell, but if they wanted it, wanted it. And if they didn't, then I would say, is there a convention that could use it? And I would try to maybe, hopefully, maybe, maybe the convention could give me a little bit of money for them. If not, you know, we, we could work something out, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, I, I would want the games to be used. I don't want them to be parceled off. And I wouldn't even be upset if they got split up. They're not a family. They don't have feelings. You know, it doesn't all have to go to the same place. But I want someone to get them. And if that didn't work, if none of those things worked, then I would say, okay, I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to sell them for the highest price possible and use the money for whatever my new hobby is, apparently. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that, that is kind of my natural gut response is that I would – I mean, th this is – this, I'm probably surrounded by tens of thousands of dollars worth of cardboard right now, which is ridiculous to even think about it, but it's true. And your address and is where? Be, uh, yeah, there are websites, Tom, devoted to this. You put in your BGG, uh, and it'll tell you what the uh, going rates for everything is. It, and it's, it's shocking when you stop to think about it. 
So either I would do it, it depends on why I quit. Because you know, if I'm now bitter, um, I might say, okay, so I, I just want money out of all this stuff. But I think the other thing I would do, like you said, you would want to give them to friends and family. My, if I'm if I'm feeling generous and it's like more of a like a cleansing thing or it's like a positive thing, I probably would want I would put out the word to anybody who has ever supported my show because if I'm getting rid of all my games, I'm, my show is ending as well. And anybody who's ever backed me or supported me, contact me, and you know here's going to be, oh gosh. But then I mean, if I say, oh, it's a low stakes auction, it would just get back to high stakes again, and that would kind of defeat the purpose. Would I gift them all? I can't gift them all. I mean, I have a I have a niece and a nephew who are starting to get into games, and we're, I'm starting to send games to them, but they can't take all this. <laughs> yeah, I think honestly, it's such a tough choice. There is a guy who visits us every six months. He sells used games at conventions all up and down the Pacific Northwest. He goes to all of them. And I would say, hey, take them all. Take them all. Um, that's what, oh, that's what, because that is what I did with my LaserDisc collection. I had a LaserDisc collection of something like five or 600 LaserDiscs. Um, when I eventually realized, okay, this is ridiculous. It's time to stop. And I just tried to find a way to um, you know, just get rid of them all in one big bulk. And you know what? If that means I'm getting a, a steady influx of income for the next six years because he just keeps them all in his garage and he sells them like 20 a year or something like that, that's fine. That's kind of sad. I think you have a better answer than this than me. I just can't well, comprehend okay. it. Yeah, I know. I mean, I just it's um it's all a thing. But here's the thing: I have thought about what would happen when I pass away with my games because I don't oh, necessarily geez. want to saddle I don't want to saddle my wife with the collection. Now I have the Dice Tower library. When I I just there's a tool that Rado mentioned. I just went and looked it up. So it says the Dice Tower library is worth sixty two thousand nine hundred and one dollars and seventy two cents, which uh-huh. is not quite true because the value of games you have to yeah. actually get that you have to be able to get them, um, but I I actually have thought about this in the sense of my will. Like, what will I do? Will I give it to my wife? Um, will I, you know, or do I have it? What should she do? It just pass down to the Dice Tower and whoever's in charge of the Dice Tower at that point in time? Because if I pass away when I get old, I will obviously have already made plans to who would succeed me running the Dice Tower. If it happened right uh-huh. now, I have a very skin flint plan but there is something in place i told my wife this is who every who has the keys to all the different things and one of those people is her of course yeah of course wow that just that got really heavy because i don't i don't mean it to i don't mean it to but it is it is something to think about right because this actually happens okay we've had we've had a collection of games that was given to us because the person passed away and his wife didn't know what to do with it. Uh, it wasn't given to me, but it was given to somebody else. And uh, Sid Saxon is a very prime example of this. When Sid Saxon passed away, he had thousands and thousands of games, including original copies of games, first printed things. And his family yeah. did not know what to do. They just parceled it up in random lots and auctioned it off. And people went to the house and just bought Jeff Engelstein was one of those people. He went to that auction. I, I remember reading about it online thinking, I wish I could get to New York. You know, so I could be at this auction, but it was the whole thing was just split up. And I, every once in a while, I'll see a piece from his collection and I'll be like, "Ooh, that was in that was in Sid Saxon's collection. But there wasn't really a plan in place for it. 
Uh, this is giving me food for thought. I don't have an answer now, but I feel like now I need to have one. All right. Well, maybe we'll come back to that next time because our time is almost up here. Hey, all right. So before we go, is there anything people should be checking out from your channel? Um, No, nothing going on at the moment until Friday. Otherwise, I'm just going to be putting out the new run-throughs. Yeah. I think I went through a spate of live events and whatnot, but I think things are calming down. I'm just getting back to my day-to-day. -day. What about you? Uh, well, tonight I'm, I'll be on the Dice Tower Live nightly chat. Roy's doing a showdown thing of sorts going on tomorrow. Um, and then we have on uh, Thursday, we're doing our top 10 most important games of all time. And then Friday, I'll be back on not this channel, Rattle's channel, Rattle Runs Through. We'll be doing this all again, hopefully with right. a game category that's slightly less uh, stuff going on. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> until next time, I'm Tom Vassell. I'm Rado. And, and I'm deep in thought now. <laughs> <laughs> think, think, think. Yeah. Everybody, I'm Tom Vassell. Hey, it's me, Rotto. And welcome. It is Friday, uh, the 24th. I have to always look at my watch. I'm not sure the dates anymore, but I do know it's Friday because Friday's the day before Saturday, and it's a day after Thursday, and it's also the day I record with Rotto. That's one of the ways I know that it is Friday. Welcome to Rotto. Wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. Are you saying I'm your North Star? On Fridays, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we're glad you're here, folks. We hope you are having a fantastic time. And if you're not, we hope you can put aside whatever might be annoying you and have a good time with us here. Because we're here just to talk about nonsense and games. Or yes. both. Um, so we're glad you're here. If you've never seen me before, my name's Tom Vassell. I'm from a, a show called The Dice Tower, which learned everything it could from this one. I had some people <sighs> yell at me. Because I, I talked about the 15 most um, influential things on the hobby of board gaming, and yeah. I didn't put your channel as one of them. Yeah, um, you gave the nod to Rodney. Fine. Well, he did Rodney, start six months before me, so fine. Well, Rodney started a whole specific thing there, and I didn't mention any of the other reviewers. I mentioned Scott Nicholson. I had to do him because— Scott, of course. Yeah, I, you, know, I, you would be rightly um, kicked out of the industry if you did not give Scott all the love. Yeah, because uh, even a lot of my stupid little skit things I do, I I got he did that first. Oh, I still yeah, remember yeah. his Agricola. I don't know if you, <laughs> he did that. Agricola. He actually got yeah. a horn and he painted himself blue one time. Yep. I yeah. also remember him going on about uh, Peloponies, all the little Peloponies instead of Peloponies. So anyhow, he's a professor. He should know better. Well, he actually is quite smart right now. He's probably the world's foremost authority on escape room games. Yeah. Escape rooms. Sorry, not just games. Escape rooms. Um, and so he does a lot of that. Teaches. Well, what's in front of you now today? I see a bunch of cards. It's You'll never get it. You can't possibly get it. Well, I guessed it already off camera. For those watching. Oh, no, no. No, you haven't. We oh, were talking different. about something else off camera. Oh. Okay. It's uh. I don't know. What's the theme of it? 
Um, this is a solo or cooperative adventure game set in uh, Africa. What else? Okay. Guys say? Wow. I yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. If uh, this symbol means anything to you, it's going on Kickstarter uh, uh, May first. It's the Phantom, the board game. Really? Wow. And it's lovely. I just I just played it the first time last night. I was just playing it solo. I'm going to play it with Jen this afternoon as a two player game, and it's it's really sharp, quick, tiny little game. Uh, basically, just a bunch of cards, and you know, very very sharp. Uh, you know, cards are are multi purpose. You either play them so that you know they become resources you can use, or you just discard them to get the resources. You play for the other. You know, very. Uh, um, you know, race for the galaxy type stuff, and it comes with three storylines that are actually based off the classic uh, comic book stories, taking art directly from the original comics. I have to admit, I I'm aware of the Phantom, the Ghost Who Walks, but I've never really been a big fan. Mostly, I just remember the Billy Zane movie from the '90s. I would have um, liked that movie better if he hadn't let Rose die on Titanic. Um, <laughs> spoilers, folks. <laughs> that's that is not a spoiler at all. The Titanic sinks. It happened. Um, <laughs> uh, and Billy Zane's the bad guy even in the trailers for that movie. Uh, yeah, the movie. Did you like the Phantom movie? I thought it was okay. I I have to admit, I barely remember it. Um, when, when he contacted me to say, hey, did I want to cover this for the Kickstarter? I'm like, I kind of remember that movie. And I went back and watched the 90s era trailer for it on YouTube. I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I need to watch this movie again. I mean, I like Billy Zane. I think he's a good. Oh, he's fine. Actor. He's a fine actor. I just that's yeah. that's. Um, all right. Well, no, that sounds exciting. And yes, the, uh, before people in the in the comments say so, I'm sure that the books and the comics are way better than the movie, because that's always <laughs> the case. That is um, the nature. All right. Well, that does sound interesting to me a lot. So when you first showed me that logo, I thought it was Cobra from GI Joe. Oh um, uh, yeah. Well, folks. As always, the first thing that we do here is we look at a game mechanism, although today's game mechanism uh, feels like a feature, not a mechanism. So let's take a look I, at it. I was looking at it this morning when I looked up what it was. and I, Although someone I emailed me. Three minutes on this. <laughs> That's true. Someone emailed me, Rado, and said, just so you know, this, is a, this was a pre-Jeff Engelstein thing. So this is not one of his categories. Oh, really? That's what they. That's what I was told. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, this was super persnickety. <laughs> you might start calling um, yellow versus purple player markers a mechanism if you're calling this thing out specifically. So this means the game board's divided into irregular areas to determine adjacency and movement. So yes, area no. movement is the mechanism. And uh, okay, it is a thing. There is definitely a difference between having a hex or grid-based board, which means you have a very uniform way that players can move around, as opposed to this more natural, I mean, what, small world approach, which means, oh, yeah, this this particular, there's only two ways in and out of this, but this one is a hub all around the center. Um, I mean, well, it's I also, guess. it's as opposed to hexagons and squares. Exactly, but- yeah. So this is clearly just for diehard war game fans because I can imagine this is a very important distinction amongst the what's it called the, the grognards is that the term for super war gamers? Sure, but here's my one thing about this: in other games, yes. where it matters how you move around, it doesn't have to be a war game; it could be any. They list here: Small World and Blood Rage and El Grande, which is not a war game. 
I don't mind this. In fact, I like games that have irregular spaces as long as it's 100% clear where they touch. Yes. And I hate ones where you're like, I think you can go from this spot to this spot. And I'm like, I don't think so. Uh, well, no. I mean, if you're, you're not... about this one. This board is a nightmare. This board right. takes this idea and runs it to an 11. And, I mean, I guess if you live in the Netherlands, you can make sense of this board. But for anybody else, you're like, wait, is are those are those adjacent to each other? Or is that just a river cutting a thing in half? Yeah, it, it can be problematic. Yeah, so that's that's my only thing about this. Other than that, I don't mind these. I think they look cool. They look a little bit more natural than a yeah. bunch of hexes. Although a lot of games that I like, for example, I love Vindication. And Vindication's a bunch of hexes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. More and... Now, here's the interesting thing. I'm looking at the list. Small World, the number one. Risk, of course. Blood Rage. So there's a lot of these. Strictly speaking, Pandemic, base regular Pandemic, is an area movement game because, um, you know, they, they have taken that idea of all the irregular, organically connected shapes that determine, hey, there's only one way in and out of Costa Rica or whatever one that is in the original Pamba, and they just abstracted it into the weird lattice. But functionally, it's functionally it's better. This, hmm? It's so better functionally. Is, I go, because that's why I bring this up. Because in every version of Pandemic, and there's what, a half a dozen of them now, uh, they always just abstract away that organic world, but they didn't in Rising Tide. And I can't be the only one who complained about, man, I wish they had just put that um, lattice skeleton over the top of this map so I could clearly understand how I can move around in the world. So I like the idea, but I don't know if it's worth the extra visual noise. Now, I don't know. I don't think every map can look like Pandemic. I think some maps would look uglier when you do point-to-point. A good example of that would be Defenders Defenders of the Realm, uh, in which uh, Eagle Griffin made a board in which you're defending. That's the Defenders of the Realm that I'm thinking of where it has the ugly point-to-point system sometimes it just I looks think so yes Depends not as the good it's, you know, obviously it was the fantasy pandemic that came out shortly after pandemic and i'm pretty sure it had like all those really big circles that had art in them layered over the top and you're right that's i guess an uh example where they might have been better just to actually doing this organic map i think sure and even what's that the game that just came out from uh restoration games unmatched has a bunch of circles connected with lines and it's very functional it just looks prettier sometimes not that way. Yeah. See, it's just a fine were... line. You have to be careful about it. I told you we could talk about this topic. We did it! <laughs> I didn't think but we had this much. That's pretty much all I have to say. <laughs> I think, yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's get to I would the like top. to know if I said grognard correctly, though. I think you're supposed to do it with a French accent. I'm not sure. I don't think... Yeah, I... I... The chat <laughs> will tell us. To the top five! Yes. Let me see. Alrighty, folks. It's time for us to do a top five. Your choice. Give us some topics. I will pick four of them, toss them to Rado, and then we will put together one that we will not argue with at all, even though the Passover ones, we've both had to make grudging admissions that the other person was right. And last <laughs> week was Rado's birthday, so I even gave him one. 
But it's yeah. not his birthday today. It's my birthday. No, it's not even close to my birthday. That's a lie. Um, although it looks like my anniversary is coming up soon, and I will be spending that at home probably. Uh, all righty. All righty, hang on. That's a ridiculous one. Oh, you don't even have to tell people. They're already deluging us with her suggestions. Well done, audience. You, you've got it. All righty. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to pick. Well, we'll see. Go with whatever speaks to you. Well, wow, we got so many good ones. By the way, some things here, folks, are not are not to me humorous, <sighs> so I don't pick them. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's a good one too. I'm going to change that one to that. All right. All right. All right. Here we go. I got four for you. I got top five DC characters. We've already done mm. Marvel. Yeah. Top five wild animals, um, top five sci-fi shows, and top five jelly bean flavors. <laughs> no matter what you pick, hopefully we'll get some more questions in today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I I would be at a huge detriment trying to... I, honestly, I've always been Make Mine Marvel my whole life. I have never really... Other than the animated... Paul Dini series of the 90s, DC characters have always been second fiddle to me. So I, I can't choose that one. And I'm sorry, DC defenders out there, the DC squad, whatever, whatever. whatever um, uh, yeah, so it can't be that. We're probably not that far off. Me and Rado would have probably both said Batman. No, I, I, okay, there's one thing I would have been forever banned from the internet because I would have admitted I don't care for Batman. I've always oh, really? thought Batman is one of the stupidest concepts for a superhero in all of superhero dumb. And you know, I've when, always when, thought when you say I would have said that, you actually just did. But all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Well then, yeah, we're simpatico. Just donate all your freaking. Ah, anyway. Um. So, right. Jelly beans, sci-fi shows, and what was the th other one? Wild animals. Wild animals. Wild animals. Um, you know, my inclination is to go for the geeky, but I think the last couple times we've been fairly geeky. Let's go a bit more broad. Let's talk wild animals. Shall All we? right. Tiger All King. Right. Tiger King, eat your heart out. Here we go. <laughs> All right. Um, so so how well, are, we like, are we defining this by as in we'd like to see them or we think they're cool, not necessarily we want to be near one? Yes, I would certainly say, to me, it's cool factor. Um, although, I, I, yeah, um, and since it's wild, this has nothing to do with zoos uh, or captivity. This is all about, well, here's the deal. I, I don't know if you have. I have actually been on an African safari. And wow. It was I'm very amazing. impressed. I've always wanted to go on one. I, I you know, it was an adventure of a lifetime situation. Uh, we actually ended up doing it. We were gone for like three weeks. We went with my wife's parents, um, and it was. I saw so much stuff. So this is a pretty easy one. For me, it's just going to be my favorite moments from that safari rethemed in a top five wild animals. Well, then before you get to that safari, I'm going to pick an animal I know you did not see there because it's not in Africa. And this has nothing to do with the show that's currently on television. But I've always thought the tiger was the most majestic of all the cats. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Uh, tigers are amazing. They're beautiful. They are the ally of He-Man. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Wasn't that that tiger? Wasn't that tiger green now or something? Uh, yeah. Well, he's an alien tiger named Cringer. <laughs> although he transformed <laughs> into Battle Cat. That's true. Okay, it was like, he gone was back a... to geeky. I it didn't. It didn't take me long to get back there. <laughs> no, um, tigers I love, and in fact, gosh, there's a box art for a game that I think is coming called Sanctuary. That is just oh, one yeah, of yeah, the yeah. most. Stunning pieces of box art you have ever seen. Just a tiger looking directly at you, peering into your soul. I mean, it's so striking. So I, I, I'm totally down with that, with the, with the big cat. Actually, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. My only I, question is, would I put lions or cheetahs or leopards above them? And in all honesty, I don't think so. I think I would put the tiger on top. All right. All right. Go to right. safari now. Yes. Uh it doesn't have to all be safari stuff. There are lovely wild animals right outside of my house right now. I understand we'll that. Those, uh, because there's only five days. slots. Yes, I know, I know. Um, elephants, I think by far were the most impressive thing. Um, you know, because they, they were they were everywhere. They were always moving in herds, and we had one moment on the uh, safari. You know, I mean, the safari is basically literally driving around in a really uncomfortable jeep for hours at a time getting a call on the radio, we've seen a lion over here! And we drop everything and just drive like crazy so everybody can see the lion or what have you. Um, so there's lots of ups and downs. And we were surprised uh, as we were driving down, there was a bunch of bushes and some a watering hole on the other side, and it was just open uh, or like loose force on the other side. And we were driving along, and the guy slammed on the brakes. And we were like, what, what, what? And he sensed it before we did in front of us, not 10 feet away, an entire herd of elephants just starts walking. You know, they've left the watering hole. They're going off. And, I mean, there must have been, I don't know. I mean, my brain, I'm sure, is bigging it up. But there were like almost a dozen of them. But what I'll never forget is the, the, the matriarch of this herd, she stopped right in front of our Jeep and just stared at us with her ears out. It was so gigantic, and she was saying, you you shall not pass. And it was so clear, species-to-species species communication, everybody in the Jeep. We just all went totally silent. Um, you know, I, I, I don't remember if I had the wherewithal to pick up my camera and film it. It was just so amazing. And she just stood there like a statue, not moving, as they all walked by. And then once the last baby was gone, she just gave us a last look and then just walked off. And, um, you know, and the guides are like, wow, I've been doing this for 20 years. I've never seen anything like that. You know, that, that level of just immediacy. Um, so yeah, elephants. All righty. Well then, so I, I agree. Elephants are great. I, when I was in uh, Thailand, I went to an elephant camp, maybe, I don't know what they yeah. would call it. And mm -hmm. where there was like 50 to a hundred of these elephants, just they're walking around everywhere, going in streams up and down the mountains, and you can go in and just see them. And it was just, it was. Oh, so really it was cool. like it was like a, a barren park type thing, but with elephants. It was like yes, it wasn't like a zoo. Um, right. It was this this big area, and I watched the elephants wallowing in the river, and I was just amazed at that. You know, it's, yeah. Uh, now these are the smaller elephants. The Asian elephant is clearly smaller than the than the African elephant for sure. Yeah, but they're still yeah. pretty neat. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump down now to one and one animal that I would love to just spend a lot of time with, uh, in person, and that would be the penguin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. that's one thing I like. I have no great desire to go to Antarctica. It's really cold, right? And <laughs> there's no civilization. 
But man, when I see these penguin documentaries and you see the thousands of penguins on the ice, yep. I would love to just be there in the middle of all of them. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what it is. They have this really cool culture. I don't know. I just like penguins. I, I, I completely agree. I mean, well, hey, they're very they're the, the most dapper dans of the animal kingdom. And uh, yeah, the thing that drives me nuts about it, I got to be right. I, there was that really big one narrated by Morgan Freeman a few years ago. And then that just like uh, spawned a, a bunch of additional ones. What is also um, Happy Feet and, you know, there's the cartoon. Happy Feet, of course. The thing that always drives me nuts about all these I mean, I understand this is supposed to be about the animals, but there's never any sense of scale because it's the Antarctica. There's no trees. There's no boulders. It's just all I can say. I, I have no idea how tall an emperor penguin is. And that always kind of drives me nuts. But I love them. And there's so much variety. Those ones that have, you know, the crazy eyebrow things that are going off in every direction. Um, yeah. Penguins. Easy. And they're just so adorable. They, they go from being so crazy and silly and uh, clumsy, but then they're just so amazingly graceful uh, as soon as they're in the water. You know, they're, they're a bird that flies underwater. I mean, that's just cool. Yeah, penguins, definitely. This is going to be an easy one. We're going to have a lot of Q&A. All right. <laughs> two uh, questions today. Two. Huh? I said, well, we'll answer two questions today. It's exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, all right. <sighs> okay, I am not going to lean. Uh, I'm going to say something a bit weird. Totally understand. No, I can't. Oh, but I want to. Are you arguing but with I, yourself? But I, okay, I, I, I'm going to give you an easy because, I this again, I am going to go back to Africa. Uh, because my wife would never forgive me if I didn't give a shout out to guinea fowl. Guinea fowl are basically the effectively wild chickens of uh, of Africa. I'm sure they're all over the place. And you know, I mean, th these were they were in swarms of 50 or 100 of them. And uh, you know, I, I say chick they're chicken size, but they look really unique. They have kind of like polka dot patterns all over their feathers. And um, we we that's what we saw more than anything else. They were everywhere. And my wife just immediately fell in love with them. We ended up bringing back lots of guinea fowl art, um, you know, and, you know, craft work that, you know, was available, you know, everywhere it was for sale. And, um, yeah, they, they have so much personality because, I, because we, as you know, Tom, we own chickens. We have 12 chickens in our backyard, but I can't call them wild animals. And I think my wife was missing chickens at the time. And these kind of became surrogate chickens for her. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm just going to throw them out there, and I fully expect a veto because how can you say guinea fowl are the top five? But I'm just going to throw it out there because it was a big deal for her out in Africa. All right. Well, I'm showing people pictures of these now. I never knew that that's what these were called. I thought these were like some version of a peacock. Um, yeah. yeah, they're kind of like a chicken cross with a peacock. That's a good I way think, to summarize it. I think they're kind of neat, but I don't even think I would put these in my top 100, actually. No, no I understand. Uh, I understand. I just... I mean, that was like the second biggest uh, thing. Then, okay, then I'll go easy. Because, you know, another amazing thing you see a lot of in Africa, giraffes. And if you see a giraffe running in real life, I mean, it's it feels impossibly tall. I mean, of course, everybody understands a giraffe is tall. But, you know, the difference between, um, you know, seeing a picture of something and actually experiencing it in real life, seeing a group of giraffes, Feeling like they're skyscrapers, just running gracefully. You know, their necks almost staying stationary. Um, you know, and just having all that power, it was amazing. And you know what they can do? They're so gentle. They're so lovely. Um, they're so weird. You know, like the penguins, they're just weird, weird animals. 
I mean, how can you not give it to giraffes? Come on. I will uh, accept that. Yep. That works. And we can pour one out for Jeffrey and Toys R Us while we're at it. You know, I just realized that these guinea guinea fowl, they I've seen them walking around here before. There's some living down here in Florida. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you spend enough time in Florida, you're going to see everything at some point or other. By the way, folks, one way to make this easier, we're not picking animals that are extinct. Um, yeah. And we're not picking sea animals either. Is that okay with you? Oh, I didn't even think of that. No, no, no. It's good. It's good. It's good. That, that okay. should be its own oh, category. Yeah, that's, that's that like should be its own comp, its own that's category. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. We got four. Because I have to start talking about my scuba diving experiences then. Well, then here's my personal favorite. Um, I like primates in general. Sure. Um, although some of them are way uglier in person and some of them can be a little boring. But the yeah. one that and always... And some of them you just want to see them coming instead of going. Yes, for sure. If you know what I mean. Mr. Baboon. Um, yeah. But the one I like the best, and I could stand for hours and watch it at the zoo, is the um, the tiger monkey. Oh, really? Or the gibbon. Okay. I like the gibbons, too, but the gibbons have a quite annoying <laughs> uh, screech. Uh-huh. But the tiger, so the tiger monkey... That's a relatively small one. It's a tiger because it's got spirals on its tail, I think. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, it's just... It's the one that makes me think the most of, A, it's a monkey. I, I like the gibbons' really long arms, too. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's just... I could watch those things for hours. Um, orangutans, I found to be a little... Meh. Gorillas are cool in movies, and I'm sure they're really neat to see in person. You know, if Jane Goodall yeah. took me up to see them, I'm sure they're fantastic. But I would... Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's certainly something we did not do there, though I would have loved to do. But we were not in the right part of the country to actually see any primates at all. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. you got to give something to primates. And you are getting spider monkeys at the well, top of the pyramid. Well, it doesn't I have mean, to be... I, you need to show me a picture of a spider monkey then, I think. All right. Let me, let me find them here for you. I mean, I have to admit, I, I, I just like, I like the spider in the monkey... Um, oh, wait, no, I was thinking of different ones. Yeah, these guys don't have uh, swirls on their tails. Okay. Like, these so are the ones that I... Look at those faces. Oh, my god! These are the ones that I think of when I see monkeys, right? Yeah. So, really, what you're saying is monkeys, these being the prototypical stand-in for monkeys, you prefer monkeys to apes. Uh, yeah, I think so. Again... I'm only going by zoos Here's my and one stuff question. like that. Are these guys poo flingers? I don't know. I've never had someone throw poo at me that was a monkey. I quickly clarify. <laughs> Unlike other <laughs> primates, perhaps. But um, no, I'll go with that. I mean, I mean, just I, I just did a Google image search, and some of these faces are just amazing. And you know, the variety. You know, unlike you know, uh, you know with so many animals you know, I know the animals recognize each other but to us they all look the same but every one of these monkeys I, I feel like they, you know, they, they've got a personality they, they've got a uniqueness I, I like it I like it alright there you all go right. folks half an hour of questions is coming top 5 all wild right. animals tigers, elephants, penguins, giraffes and spider monkeys specifically question time Alrighty, everybody. If you have questions, go ahead and ask them, and we will do our best to answer them. These questions While the can questions be. questions come in, uh, I see uh, Skilla mentioned, what about gators? 
They're right in your backyard right now, Tom. You know, I find them to be... They're like the opposite of majestic for me. They're neat. Don't get me wrong. I think it's cool to go see them. But they have this menace about them. Don't get me wrong. A tiger has that menace too. But a tiger looks majestic. An alligator looks... Gators, they're cool. Again, I just went to the Everglades. I went to the Everglades the week before we were uh, quarantined here. And it was just a neat place to go to. But Yeah. If I were going to give it to a reptile, and it actually occurs to me, we were very uh, mammal-centric in our uh, – I mean, we were really kind of dismissive. There's a lot of birds out there too, but if I was going to oh, we only had five. Yeah, it would be, yeah, it would be a kimono dragon, I think, because, I mean, that feels like a primordial creature. Um, not that I've ever seen one, but I'd certainly love to see them IRL. But I'm sure we have some questions now. Uh, well, do you have a favorite camping experience? No, I have never been camping. The closest was the safari stuff, but at the end of the day, we always went back to really awesome. Um, I guess they were kind of camps, and all the they were they were really big rooms, but everything was open air outdoors. So it was kind of camping, but not really. I mean, we we had toilets, so um, private toilets. So I, I couldn't consider that camping. I've never never um, slept out in the woods. I believe you have though. I hate it with all my heart. <laughs> I've done it a few times, and I so much despise it. I am so thankful that we have houses so that we do not have to stay outside. And I know some people love it. I have a lot of good friends who think it's amazing, and I wish them good luck. I'm very fortunate. My my well, Actually, my wife likes camping, and I told her she's welcome to camp anytime <clears> she <throat> wants to, and I will hold the lights on for her at home. There you, you know. go. Uh, let's see. Why wasn't this stream on your YouTube schedule? That's a good question. I think it's because I'm scheduling them, and there's something kind of goofy about me scheduling them right now. Oh, you mean on my channel? If somebody subscribed to me, they didn't see it show up? Yeah, I think that may have happened. I'm not sure. There's something. There's something. I think it has something to do with the way I'm scheduling them. We'll we'll look into that. For folks who don't know, Tom has basically virused his way into my channel. If he wanted to, at I a would, moment's notice, he could right now delete every video I have ever made I would, permanently. I have gone I out of my way him. to not even get close to that. I, I argued with Rado, not argued, but I was like, I, I tried to find a way around this. Yeah. <laughs> because it just, I don't know, just bothers me a little bit. I don't, it's kind of like, I feel the same way about this, like with the, the Jack Vassar Memorial Fund, right? I won't mm-hmm. even look at the bank account. For the that 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 oh, thing, sure. I I could, I'm sure I could, I I could even probably send someone a check, but I try to distance myself as much as possible. That's like a two step situation. I I don't want to touch anything more than I have to, so that I'm above accusation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I trust you, Tom. As I told you right up front, because I know you were you were hesitant to even break, and I think I suggested it to you. Well, here's a way we could do it, because I am the craziest, most trusting person you ever met. But Tom, if you want to feel a little bit better about it. You could uh, institute a mutually assured destruction pact and give me admin <laughs> access to the dice tower. I I actually have several admins at the dice tower. Every time I'm like, please don't destroy us. <laughs> yeah. you're Which, at least smart enough to back everything up. I got nothing. Um, well, I don't I have every I don't have everything backed up. All right, would you ask a person to the table for a game if you knew they were a bad loser or a bad winner? No. Why? 
under what circumstances would you? I mean, I guess if it was somebody I really wanted to hang out with and if if Barack Obama was proven to be a bad winner or a loser, yeah, I'd probably still invite him to the table because that'd be really cool to sit down and play a game with him. It's just the first celebrity I could think of off the top of my head. Um, and I, actually, it's interesting. In my, in my podcast, you know, that's a really common question. What five celebrities, living or dead, would you play this game with? You know, that's one that comes up a lot. And I remember one time in my podcast, I did mention, well, I'd probably uh, sit down with Trump because I would just like to talk to him and try to be a voice in his ear because I hear he's very malleable. Whoever's the last person he talked to, that's the direction he goes. But, and I, he may very well be a bad loser. I don't know. So, but under normal circumstances, no. Okay, well, so. Fun. Yes. Well, there's some politics that snuck in, by the way. Sorry about that. Apologies. <laughs> yes, ish. My son is a bad loser, and I'm Ooh. definitely inviting him to the table because he needs to learn to not be a bad loser. Yeah. Something I was cleared him last night um, about because we played several games and pointed out that he's not going to win all of them. Part of the problem is his sisters let him win often, and I need that to kind of calm down. Yeah. Um, but I, I know that you're not asking about kids. You're asking about adults. It depends. Uh if I have no one else to play with, I might do it anyway because I lose often enough that it's probably not a big deal. And I'm not a bad loser. And you loser. can handle a bad winner because you're like, eh, whatever. I and actually – a bad loser – a bad winner bothers me more than a bad loser. Really? Well, a bad loser, they get all upset that they lost and I'm like, oh, yeah, sorry, whatever. But at, at, I still go home going, <laughs> okay, ah. right? Uh, a bad winner – they beat me, and I'm like, okay, fine, you won. And they keep going on and on. I'm like, man, I get it. A bad winner to me seems like they're full of pride. A bad loser yeah. is just upset. I don't know how to explain the difference. One is, is a, one is to me a bad loser or someone who they just, need to, they just need to work on it. A bad winner, I think, is like, man, is that how you feel about life in general? You think that highly <laughs> of yourself? I don't don't get me wrong. I think when you win, it's okay to get up and be like, da na 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 you know, especially if the game was trash talking a little bit back and forth. Or and there's it, a history between players. All sure. That stuff, yeah. and, and my kids, I, I say, you know, if you win, you're allowed to be like, woo, I won, you know, all that. It's that if you keep going on about it and if you point out consistently that you won because you were so clever, <laughs> at that point, it starts wearing real thin. Yeah. That is interesting. You are the exact opposite of me. This was not the question, but uh, if the question is, what do you prefer, to play with a bad winner or a bad loser? Um, a bad loser, well, first of all, there's always a tiny little speck of me if I play a competitive game where I kind of feel a little bit bad if I won because, well, I want everybody to win. Can't we all have a, can't we share in a rejoiced victory? I welcome that. Um, just because, because it's just part of my nature. And so a bad loser is like, wow, you're actually in mental anguish over this. I have brought anguish into your life. And I, I, that just, I, that, that, that gives me anguish. So I just don't want anything to do with it. A bad winner. I mean, I think if the, I, I don't know if I've ever really seen one, but I could imagine that if it were to happen, I would probably just have to chuckle inwardly and it would kind of give me a little, maybe a <laughs> sense of superiority that I know I wouldn't be doing that. Sure. I, it's interesting. You know, you talk about that. I, I always feel really good when a game is like 52 to 51, it's yes, 49 to 48. Yes. And then I'm like, okay, so even the people who lost will feel like I could have exactly. won. Exactly. Okay. We, we're um, not so far apart, you and I, then. 
But there is the exception sometimes, as long as the person losing is in on the joke. Mm. Sometimes it's funny to see someone get destroyed by a game. Sometimes that's yeah, me. Yeah, sure, sure. Where we're like 200 to 180 to 170 to 30. If, yeah. and, and if the person 30 is like, ah, it's just the way this game worked out. Everyone's yeah. laughing about it. Like, we can't believe how bad. That's funny. But if it's like somebody who sits there, they're just going, then no one says uh, anything. The whole table's quiet. What was your response when that happened to you in Food Chain Magnet? Oh, I was very vocal about it. Actually, at, at first I was kind of like, ha, 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 I'm falling behind, yada, yada, yada. I, I expected to lose. I went in. When, I, when they taught me the game, I said, look, I expect to lose this. Because Jason was trying to explain every <clears throat> tiny detail of the game. I was like, I, I can't even fit all this in my head. Yeah. I said, I'm going to pull that thing and say, let's just start playing. But don't don't buy, don't worry. I'm not going to complain if I lose. And so I started lo- losing. I was like, OK, well, I said I wasn't going to complain. And then I was like, oh, I can finally do a move. And I made a move. And then they immediately blocked it and essentially took me out of the game. And I was yeah. like, huh. And as I saw the points kept coming in and I was like, oh, you know, all right. And it, it was the closest I had been to in a long time because I lose all the time. It was yeah, the yeah. closest I had been to in a long time where I was getting irritated that I was losing. Not because I was losing, but I felt like the only way I could recover was to essentially restart the game. And it's too long of a game to do that. And I didn't want to be the bad loser. So I just kept kind of pointing out, well, you know, maybe you should have pointed out to me when I bought this 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 uh, person that that was not a good person to buy. They're like, well, that... I think the thing was, well, you, you you might be able to do okay with that person. I was like, well, because in Food Chain Magnet, early decisions are so incredibly oh, yeah, important. Yeah. Like, I would just, if I was teaching that game now, I would say, buy one of these two people. <laughs> Hands down, for your first game. So And don't anyway. play with sharks, which apparently <laughs> is what you did. All right. Are you summer or winter people? I like both, but honestly, and this actually occurs to me, it didn't come up when we talked about favorite weather a few weeks ago. I really like heat seeping into my bones. I really, I mean, I, I shouldn't, I mean, I'm, I'm not a sunbather, but I kind of wish I was. I, I wish it wasn't so bad for me because I just love feeling it just, oh, I just, you know, you know, get through me. I mean, an insanely hot day where everybody else is like, oh my God, I can't stand this. I'm like, Yes, feed me. I feel like Superman uh, as I'm absorbing the solar rays. So if you made me pick perpetual summer or perpetual winter, I would go summer. But I love, well, I love snow, but there, the number of times, I could probably count on two hands the number of times I've lived where there's a good, decent snow in my life. So maybe even one hand now that I think about it. So I, I'll go summer. You don't get snow where you're at now? No, um, Pacific Northwest, you know, a little bit, but hey, we got a we got a an inch and a half, and it's gone by the next day. Oh, that's disappointing. So it's cold and no snow. Exactly, it's the worst of both. All right, now for me it's easy. Also, I feel the exact same way. Summer, um, I love that heat seeping into my bones too. I I, yeah. I know exactly how you feel where you walk outside and it's like, wow. Yeah. Um, no, it's crazy. I love getting into a car that's been out in the parking lot for two hours and just like, oh, wow, I just stepped into a sauna. It's, okay. It's, we might that be far? slightly. That, that, that's a little far. But yeah. <laughs> I, the only difference is if someone says, are you a summer or winter person now? I'd be like, 
Yeah, probably winter because winters in Florida are awesome. Oh, fair <laughs> enough. Yes, yeah. All right. Do you have a favorite monster movie like Lake Placid? Mm. Immediately, Tremors pops into my head. That's tough to beat. <sighs> I really like the new King Kong, Kong Skull Island. I oh, really, really? Wow. I really like that one. I the uh, the the Peter Jackson King Kong I liked okay, but yeah. the latest one I really liked. Um, I like. Um, let me see, monster movie. If the Mist is considered a monster movie, I like it. I would say so. Really, even with I'm well, going to specifics, but even with the ending. Considering you, and considering you like I, to look at, seek out. I, I don't know how to explain it. You're right. I like good endings of movies. I really, really do. I would say the ending to The Mist is one of the most powerful endings of a movie ever, and it made me just sit and think for a really long time. And movies don't yeah. often do that. I don't like horror movies, and yet, I don't know. Enjoy is a pretty strong word, but I thought it was interesting. Anyway. Um, yeah, it's try not to spoil that ending of that movie. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It, it's so definitely one where you'll sit there and an go, and it will huh. stick. Uh, how about if I say Colossal? That's a weird monster movie. Have you seen that one? Oh, I want to see that with uh, Anne Hathaway, right? Yeah, it's really, yes, I'm really keen on seeing that. It's really different, but uh, oh, I'm, I'm looking through lists here of, of monster movies. I'll say, um, well, I can't say Monsters Incorporated. I'll say Gremlins. I love Gremlins. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Is it, um, I mean, obviously, I, it maybe doesn't fit the bill, but you have to give a shout out to Jaws. I mean, that is a functionally a monster movie. It the is. I just don't like role. Jaws as most as most people. I know it's oh, quotable. Really? I know it's it's a fine movie. It's just, and I love the soundtrack. I think it's one of the best soundtracks ever to. Of course, not yeah, just, John Williams. At his not feet. just the Jaws theme, but the the. The ocean music. It's just, it's really well done. It's just, I don't know. Maybe it's because it's one of those movies that I knew about before I saw it. Ah, so it was built up too much. You couldn't experience it naturally. It was in, it was in pop culture so strongly that by the time I I saw it, I already knew the movie. Uh, I don't know how else to explain it. It just didn't have that sway for me. Well, um, you know, if you're going to say something outlandish and outrageous about Jaws, I will too. I mean, I love Jaws. I actually saw it uh, at a road show showing where they had uh, set up like an inflatable 50-foot screen and everybody was in Lake Austin floating in inner tubes watching the movie late at night. And they had scuba divers who would go and grab people's feet and people would scream and stuff like no, that. Why would That was you? amazing. No, uh, no way. <laughs> that sounds horrible. <laughs> The problem was Jaws is a pretty long movie, and if you stay in the water long enough, it gets really freaking cold. It gets into your bones. But I, my outrageous thing I'm going to say is I like The Shallows more, which was a more recent shark movie, uh, Woman Against Shark, uh, and it was uh, it was so gripping. I mean, I I was just riveted. Every it's basically a survival movie of you know, one woman uh, spending it must be ninety. There are 100 minutes just trying to survive from a shark that, you know, it seems unstoppable. And it's amazing. It's phenomenal. Really, really great. That would be my second one. First, I got to go with Tremors because how? who doesn't love Tremors? But then the shallows I, is literally I really, in my head. I really like Tremors. 
Yeah. <laughs> I really, it's such a stupid movie. I like it. Yep. <laughs> All right. You guys have traveled a lot. Or traveled lots, I'm sorry. Any bad travel experiences? I think anyone who travels has had bad travel oh, gosh, experiences. Yeah. The worst one I ever had is when we first moved to England, and it's a really common thing uh, to get on long ride buses, you know, really big buses, and um, and do a, a, a continental tour. Uh, we did one that took us to Germany, and we went to several castles, and then we went to an Oktoberfest and all of that, and we basically spent a week in a tour bus, and you know, stopping at a different hotel every night and getting guided tours of all sorts of things. And it was in the height of summer. It was very, very hot, and there were a couple of days where the air conditioning completely broke down in this bus and mm. we were all dying. It was so horrific, but I don't know if there's any British people watching right now. British people by and large as a cultural societal level are very, you know, they've got that whole stiff upper lip mustn't grumble attitude. And it's just like, okay, whatever's going on, we'll just, we'll just soldier on. It'll be fine. You know, um, think of the queen. And, uh, so there's this bus completely full of people generating all of our heat and there's just nonstop heat outside. And, um, I don't remember why, but we were not opening the windows. Um, and, and it was just, it was so terrible. And this just went on. I mean, well, I mean, I remember the day it finally broke me and it's just like everybody's being polite. Nobody wants to cause any trouble. This will all work out. Just, just, just get through it. And at one point, I just got up and walked to the middle. And you know, I had these like big, tall um, scoop things you could open up. And I just said, uh, I, "I said, screw it. I'm an American. I'm not British. I don't have to act like you." And I just went up and down and opened up every single one of them. And so this flood of air just came in. And I don't know. I don't remember why we weren't supposed to do it, but I did it. And literally, it went from like one of the worst experiences to everybody applauding. And some people stood up and it's like, why didn't anybody do this for two days? Because we were all being very polite British people, not assuming. But that was rough. Um, and then the next day, I think they, find, they got us another bus. A whole other bus had to be delivered out to us so we could actually be comfortable. But that was, that was really bad for quite a while. I, I don't really have any. I mean, I've had some bad flights. I've had bad Trips, delayed stuff, but nothing really too terrible. Really? Okay. Uh, I mean, the worst was we, out? the worst was we went to Malaysia one time. Fantastic trip, and a very nice person offered to drive me and my family to this place that was about three hours away. This 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 really cool mountain. There was an amusement park on top of this mountain and everything. And the whole way, two of my kids would not stop crying loudly. <sighs> in a small car and I'll never forget that. And there's nothing you can do, right? We're like, feed them food. What is the problem? So I remember that cause I'm going to go home and play a game with them tonight. And I'll be like, I remember, <laughs> I remember both of you <laughs> 11 years ago. <laughs> no, I, but I, it just, I feel bad. And that's why on an airplane, if there's ever a loud baby crying, I don't get mad. I feel bad because the person holding that baby feels awful. That's true. Yes. Every, they know what everyone around them is they, upset. They can hear it. It's human nature to just try to blinders on, fast forward, because what can you, yeah. Yeah. So. I'll, I'll give you another bad one then. Uh, to make up for <laughs> nothing but flawless, perfect travel. Um, we went to Hawaii. It was our it was our honeymoon. I mean, we, we hadn't had a honeymoon. Five years later, we're going to do this. We're going to be gone for a week in Hawaii. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be our honeymoon. Uh, the second day we were there, 
uh, you know, I've grown up in water all my life. It was no big deal. I said, hey, let's go body surfing. It'll be really fun. And Jen had never done anything like it. And we were out there, you know, I was surfing the wave. She was kind of fumbling around. I wasn't aware of how uncomfortable she was. And she ended up taking a really bad tumble and uh, got ended up with a minor concussion. And so we were only there for a week. And for the next three days after we got out of the hospital, all she could do in Hawaii was sit in bed and just look out the window. And it was miserable. Absolutely horrible. I mean, because it was expensive. Um, you know, and it was like our big thing. And so the trying to make lemonade out of lemons, she decided, well, you know what? Just right down the road from where our uh, hotel was or our, our timeshare was that we had bought a little bit of time in. I'm not a timeshare aficionado. I do not support viewing timeshares. It's it's a racket. But we got <laughs> it is a racket. Yeah, we've gotten some time. And right down the road, there was a hey, we will teach you how to. We will give you a scuba diving certification in one day or two days. And she's like, okay, um, I've got nothing else. So she basically laid in bed for three days, devouring scuba diving instruction manuals. And when she was finally able to get up and go around, she did a quick test. Um, and it was the first time she'd ever used a snorkel in her life. I mean, I didn't realize just how foreign water, what, you know, being in water was to her, but she got that. And so for our last day, we got to do our first dive together. I've been scuba diving since I was 12 years old. So I'm water is second nature to me. So that was a really bad, it was so depressing just day after day in a nice hotel room, just looking out at the ocean and not getting to go out and do anything. But Jen loves scuba diving. So again, lemonade out of lemons. All right. That's a good ending. Yes. What are your thoughts on meeple tattoos? Would you ever get one? <laughs> wow. Um, I have zero desire to get a tattoo. I've, I have never even been remotely tempted. That is just too permanent. Uh, um, I don't know how you feel about them. Yeah, I, I don't have a tattoo. I keep considering it. I wouldn't get a meeple, by the way. I think the whole... No? No, I think the meeple thing's overdone. I mean, everyone, you know how many podcasts and shows there are that have a meeple as, as part of their name or something? Yeah. I, I also have my own logos. I would get a Dice Tower, probably. Oh, wow. But the that problem is, is, is that it's permanent. And I, yes. forget, I was talking, I guess I was on our daily chat just a few days ago. I was talking about this. The more permanent something is, the longer I think about it. Like if I go eat, I don't think a long time about what I'm going to eat. If I buy a TV, it's going to last several years. I think for a while about that. But a tattoo is forever. So I've yeah. been thinking about it forever. Also, I That's hear they're painful. I mean, I, so you're making me think about it. And I thought, well, okay, he does a Dice Tower. I could do my Rado, you know, my Running Man logo that my wife made for me. So it has real meaning for me. But still. I don't feel that strongly about my own show, quite frankly, that I want to brand myself with it permanently. But that puts an idea in my head. I obviously love my wife. My love for her is eternal and forever. So I could imagine maybe getting a tattoo, a small one out of the way, you know, between the toes or something like that, ah! or on the ankle, between something the toes? You know, really unassuming um, of one of her glass art pieces. That would be pretty oh, okay. cool. You know, I mean, she does this line of like cute little alien blobby creatures. And she does she, her favorite one is ones where they are kind of reaching up their hand saying, pick me, pick me. She really loves that. I could see getting that now that I think about it. Wow. I could. She can't hear me. She's in another room. I could see doing that as a birthday present for her. I bet you she would 
Don't nobody tell her that. That's really interesting. That is the first time I've ever seriously considered it. This has popped in my head Just now. Whoever is responsible for this, I curse your, you. Don't do it between your toes, man. Ah. No, no, no. That was a bad idea. I, I, as soon as I said it, I realized, oh, that's not good. Uh, right. Uh, what's your favorite time of spending more time with your family over this last month? You're going you're gonna to say, what more time? More time? It's, <laughs> it's the same amount of time. I, I, yeah. Uh, for me, my favorite part is seeing my kids do stuff that they don't normally do. They're building puzzles and they're, you know, they're painting pictures. And I really should teach them to paint miniatures at this point. Hey, there you go. I mean, I can't teach them. There's a side business going there. I give them the miniatures and be like, here's some paints. Now watch these videos by people who know what they're doing. (laughs) That's a really great idea. Uh, Let's see. Wow, we're not getting a lot of... um, we're not getting a lot of uh, not of, of gaming questions, mostly non-gaming. Oh, here's one. What's your favorite game to play with your parents? Or in my case, mm-hmm. I guess it would be my my dad. My mom's passed away. But my favorite game to play with my parents when they were alive was any party game that involved creativity. Because that was always fun, like Balderdash, stuff like that. Mm. For my in-laws, it's a trick-taking game. So currently, it would be The Crew. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's such a great game. And so cross-generational and all that. Uh, growing up, we played a fair number of games. And I think probably more than anything else, we played a lot of Scrabble. Because I'm sure my parents felt, oh, this is educational for, that, for, for, the, for the boys. Let's play that. And I remember we played a lot of Yahtzee, too. And those are both nice. But if you were to talk about today, my mom is really not interested in playing games. She says, the one game I'll play, if I go out and pick up a copy, would be Racco. Because that's what she played when she was a little girl. So it's on my list of things to do. And apparently Racco is terrible, right? It's just the worst. I don't if she know. likes Racco, you should look for a copy of 10 Days in the USA. That's very similar. Okay. Wow. I have played the 10 Days games a long time ago. I thought that was not bad. That's a good idea. Thank you. It's very similar um, to Racco, I thought. Yeah. We had a great time. Um, you know, Jen's mom comes and visits every few months, and she's a little bit more willing to play with us. And we had a really good time playing The Mind with her and Isle of Cats, you know, the, the family variant that comes in the box because she loves cats. So that was a really Gloomhaven. good experience. Or, or, yeah, or Gloomhaven, of course. That's given. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's a good question. What's your favorite time to game? Like afternoon, oh. evening, et cetera. I can tell you the worst time for us to game is after 4 p.m. Uh, Jen, especially, but me as well. You know, sun's going down, big fella. It's it's time for our brains to shut down. We, I mean, our favorite type of game, really deep, intricate, crunchy, Euro-y type stuff. If we try to play one, it's dangerous if we're still playing at 3 o'clock. If it's after 4 p.m., I can almost guarantee with 100% certainty we will not have a good time, even if it's our favorite game of all time. We prefer 10... 11 o'clock, getting going with some really big, chunky, heavy thing that'll uh, you know get us going. And then maybe another one in the afternoon. But yeah, um, the evening is for shutting down brain time for us. I, I kind of agree. I, I, my favorite time is first thing in the morning. I, and yeah. I, only, I only ever get to do that usually at conventions. Like I'll wake up at a convention – I roll out of bed, get ready for the day. I'll eat a quick breakfast, run over to the convention center. I'll find a few other early birds, but my brain is so sharp in the morning. It feels that way. It's, yeah. There's very few people there. It feels like the world is still asleep and I'm playing a game. Uh, my second favorite time, go figure, is from 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. 
Now, that's don't, a very weird specific time. It is, but it's always when we do our marathons, our 24-hour marathons, oh. that's always my slot. I always go to bed early on those days, and then I get up around 1.30 or 2 or whatever. I'll come oh, in so with you a, purposely take the worst slot for yourself, basically. I do, and I'll come in early with a few other people, and we play a game, and it's like the whole world's asleep except for us playing that game. It's not true. Yeah. But yeah. it has a it has its the, everything's quiet. There's no traffic outside really. It's just quiet and it's th- I don't know how to explain it. But other than that, the afternoon. Because my nostalgia as a kid, that's when we played all our games. Lazy summer oh, sure. afternoons. And the afternoon is between lunch and supper and it feels like you got so much time left in the day and I don't know. <laughs> all right. Have you guys ever thought of remaking old videos that you don't consider good quality now that you've upped your game so much? Oh, man. I The first hundred videos should all be burned in a, in a fire. They are so ugly. Why, Tom? I mean, I was still... I, I had money. I could have gone out and bought a camera instead of, oh, I'll just use this iPhone 4. That'll work great. No, it didn't. And I just doubled down on it. And I got like, um, you know, holders to try to minimize the shake. And I tr- and it's just like, it's all so terrible. The worst one being one of my most watched videos of all time. My run through of Castles of Burgundy. Because I had filmed it. I put it up. Somebody pointed out, wow, you made a really big mistake. And I immediately put it down. And I felt like, oh, crap. I've got to put this right back up right now because people are waiting for it. I was really overthinking it and so i filmed it again immediately but by that point it was five in the evening and it was dark and so if you watch my castles of burgundy video it is lit by the the, by the camera light of my iphone and it is just the worst and yet it is one of my most watched videos i so have to redo that someday oh it's so ugly it's mostly time right uh i've done a few of them but not many and i look at those old ones and i'm like uh Especially like, Rado's right. Like my Dominion review is one of my most watched reviews, and I really would have liked to redone that. Um, yeah, but you know what? I disagree with Rado there slightly, where he said, you know, he didn't know what he's doing. He just used the camera. If you're getting into into this, I think you should do that at mm. first. You shouldn't spend thousands of dollars on something oh, that you gosh, may not yes. be interested in. Yeah, you yeah. May, yeah. Just do it with what you have. As time goes by, like I just got a new uh, webcam here. I wasn't ever expecting to get one, but we're using webcams a lot now. So yeah. I got a nice new one, but I wouldn't recommend this one to someone who's starting out for the first time. Do it first and then see what you think. Well, I mean, Sir Suzanne Sheldon for years did a really great board game breakfast segment for you covering all Kickstarter games. And I didn't realize at the time she filmed everything with her laptop webcam. And and it was good enough, right? Um, you know, for prime time, yeah. And again, if you feel bad about your quality, look at all these Hollywood stars right now, who yeah. are doing all their stuff from home. And I keep watching it, going, <laughs> 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 I need to teach you guys how to do this. You should yep. have moved that that pile of laundry in the background out of shot. <laughs> 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 so I don't know. I'm finding it. You know, it's weird though. They're doing a lot of this stuff like live. People doing like, oh, these celebrities are doing something from home. I watch it. I'm like, that's not good enough quality. (laughs) I'm such a hypocrite (laughs) when it comes to this. So, all right. One Uh, key tip I would give to anybody who wants to do it. Don't worry so much about your video. Surprisingly, audio quality is much more important. 
for watchability, I find. Um, and lighting. People, yeah. yeah. The lighting, um, although I'd still, even bad lighting, if your audio sounds good, I mean, if you get rid of that echo and whatnot, I mean, that, that carries over so much. Um, I mean, I don't know, how much do people actually listen to YouTube? I mean, certainly board game content. But uh, I, I think that's really important. It's the most easily overlooked thing. That is by far the number one problem with Seth Meyers or you know all the Hollywood folks who are doing stuff. I mean, if they just just got a cheap twenty dollar lapel mic, and just instantly, not, there's nothing you can do in terms of a cheap, quick investment that will increase your quality more than a fifteen twenty dollar lapel mic. I am curious because I know some of these places have a lot of money. I'm surprised that they're not putting more money into this. It's not. I feel like they could be. But yeah, you know what it is. A well, lot of know, these people have teams on. have teams of people who do all this stuff for them. You and I, yeah, we have to exactly. do it ourselves. Yep. Yeah, I mean, and, and nobody's going to go out to their house Sorry, to do boy. it. But I have seen as they've gone on, they've gotten better. I mean, I've watched Seth Meyers, uh, uh, and you know, he started out doing really bad, but he now has a lapel mic, and it makes such a huge difference. But then now he's got this weird dichotomy. Okay, I, when I'm filming myself, it's much higher quality. But then he goes and and records a Skype call with Sylvester Stallone. It's like. Okay, you can do better than that. You can still record yourself. But, yeah. It's fine. It has a low rent uh, feel. It, it, it's of the time, I suppose. All righty, folks. Well, thank you so much. We have to oh, shut wow. down here. Yeah. Well, we answered a lot more questions than normal. We'll be back yep. again this coming Tuesday on the Dice Tower channel at 2 o'clock. So we'll see you then. Uh, and you got anything live you're doing this weekend or anything? No. Uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not live crazy like you. I'm just going to keep filming stuff and putting stuff up. Uh, well, yes. And I'm well, very excited to go back right before we played this. 15 minutes before we went live, the new Pandemic Hot Zone showed up. And Jen and I opened it up and finished the game just in time for me to get here. I want to go play it again. So that's on my I, personal uh, short term. I think term. it's sitting on my porch, maybe. I don't know. Okay, fine. What? I don't know. I'll see you all, right. all next time. Until then, I'm Tom Vassell. I'm Rado. Have fun gaming, everybody.